Welcome to the Radio 191 FM podcast. Now we are joined by Trent Smith from the University of Otago's Department of Economics for this week's instalment of Business as Usual. In today's edition, we're going to be talking about market barriers. Barriers in a market work to limit competition in that sector. They can be things like high startup costs, regulatory requirements, or even obstacles constructed by existing competitors in the industry. Kia ora, Trent. How are you going today? Hello, Miria. I'm fine, thanks. Kia ora, Zach. Kia ora. So to start off with, um, we were just curious as to how market barriers come about. Like, are they naturally occurring or...? Um, well... Yeah, I mean, so that's like, market barriers are kind of a theoretical construct, right? So you, if you're asking for real world examples, there are millions, right? Yeah, so there, uh, there are lots of uh, all kinds, all sorts of uh, frictions in the marketplace that um, you know keep a new business from popping up here and there, uh, and, and um, but they are often um, strategically created by the existing industry, right? Of course. Um, it's you know anti-competitive behavior is pretty um, is pretty easy to find if you look for it. Um, and but there's this larger question of um, you know what, what's wrong with having a monopoly? What's wrong with having big producers? Um, it's actually a pretty complicated thing. You know, we when we teach first year economics, sort of the simple story is that oh, if you have a big monopoly, they're going to raise prices because they're a monopoly. Um, but in practice, a lot of monopolies actually result in lower prices, right? Like a big chain store invests in a big distribution network. Suddenly, they can deliver goods at lower cost. Um, and so that, and that's, that's kind of how they gain their monopoly, right? No one else can compete with their low-cost delivery networks. Um, but there's a pretty long list of other things that, you know, so that's counterintuitive, right? It's the opposite of what we teach in first year, that monopoly lowers prices. There's a pretty long list of other problems that get created, though, right? You can have, you know, these big, powerful players, um, you know, supermarkets and so forth, um, uh, uh, you know, influencing political decisions. They could be um, bullying their suppliers. This is a big problem. Once you, right, when you get a big, uh, a big company, um, they can sort of uh, destroy their suppliers, essentially, or strip all the profits away from their suppliers. So it's a fun topic. It does, certainly does sound like a fun topic. Um, when would you say entry barriers are beneficial? Of course, for something like the, the arms trade, that would be a very beneficial time because you don't want everyone be, being able to make arms and train them to certain nation states. But aside from that, when would you say, like, uh, you know, market barriers could be beneficial? Um, the, well, that's a good question, yeah. So, well, the, so the example I just gave, right, if, if you have a big, uh, you know, chain store, supermarkets or hardware, whatever it might be, um, you m- it may actually be more efficient to just have one of those, right? So New Zealand as a country might just decide, listen, um, you know, rather than having 10,000 uh, grocery stores, it's more efficient to, to have a big distribution network, uh, you know, run as a supermarket chain. Um, so, I mean, in, in that example, the barrier is kind of creating, creating itself. This happens all over the world, right? The chain store problem. Um, but you could uh, – um, let's see. So a, maybe a, another example might be um, spatial problems, right? So um, if Dunedin was a little bit smaller, we might decide that, um, you know, two, two supermarkets is too much for us, right? It's, it's sort of a waste of space. And so, uh, you know, space is a scarce thing in any city environment. Um, the economics of cities is actually really complicated. But, but, it's, but it's, it really makes you realize that it's really hard – 
to imagine that markets are going to get this right, right? Like how we use our this scarce resource is this, of, of space as a community. Mm. On that note, how do barriers to entry interact with an effective competitive market? Yeah, so so um, yeah, so economists love to get their ire up about uh, well about um, anti-competitive behavior, right? And it's and it, almost everyone does that, right? If you, so if you see an example of sort of the big bully on the block, um, you know, squashing under their thumb the local the local competition, it just seems unfair, right? And so for that reason alone, we might want to make like discourage this or make it illegal, right, for, for um, anti-competitive behavior to happen. And there are a lot of forms it can take. It can be lobbying to affect regulations that, uh, that um, prevent competitors from entering, um, you know, uh, corrupting the local council, um, or, uh, you know, doing things with advertising that, uh, you know, that um, maybe rather than promoting your own product, you're attacking the, the competitor, that sort of thing. So would you say it's very crucial to have a, uh, I guess, a competitive market at all? Oh, well, I'm an economist, so of course I'm going to say competitive markets are beautiful, <laughs> right? Um, and honestly, they kind of are. You know, it's sort of the, mad, they, the old story of Adam Smith's uh, invisible hand, right? That um, if you just step back and let people choose for themselves, right? Let consumers choose what's best for themselves. Let firms sort of compete to deliver to the consumers. It's a beautiful story, and there's a lot of truth to it. Um, but it really it can go wrong, right? I spend a lot of my time thinking about market failures and the ways that markets can go wrong. Um, and but but once you appreciate like what a beautiful thing this sort of this you know invisible hand story is that um, it really makes you want to it makes me want to think about the market failure problems and figure out ways to fix them, right? Make markets work well. That's that's what keeps them beautiful, right? Recent legislation has banned supermarket cavettes. Um, <laughs> sorry. Oh, my God. So previously, <laughs> supermarkets like Countdown had cavettes in their leases such that if their landlords allowed competing businesses like those who also sold food or drink to open in the same development, the supermarket would only pay half of its rent. Um, is this common to see big companies dominating their leases and other business agreements like that? Um, well, I don't know specifically about leases. I mean, it sounds terrible, right? That that um, I'm a I'm a big supermarket, and I happen to have a big landlord who controls other you know spaces that could potentially house supermarkets, mm. and so I negotiate this deal where whereby um, no more supermarkets uh, come into the neighborhood. Um, but well, so I know, for example, Consumer NZ has done reporting recently about um, about the way that supermarkets uh, bully their suppliers. Like I mentioned earlier, right? Like they'll um, sort of put undo the, the the supermarket will often be the like the biggest buyer for these little agricultural suppliers, and they'll sort of put pressure on them not to sell to the competition or um, not to sell at a lower price and this sort of thing. Uh, you know, there's documented reporting on this now, um, so. But, you know, uh, yeah, on the other hand, you know, I mentioned the spatial problem earlier. Like, maybe, it, like, as a society, maybe it doesn't make sense to have two giant supermarkets in the same mm -hmm. building, right? That suddenly both those spaces are going to be used a little bit less efficiently. So, you know, like I say, it's complicated, but it's definitely something that people should be talking about, right? I mean, we as a, you know, we in, here in Dunedin, we as a city should be, you know, helping to decide these, these things.
Mm. Would you say that this law will make a, a positive or, or negative difference or a difference at all to the highly competitive nature of the supermarket industry? Um, well, uh, you, I mean, the lease rule as a uh, um, as a thing by itself is pretty small, right? It mm. it does make sense that you shouldn't allow this. This it really does sound like bad behavior, right? Yeah. To, um, to lock people out, lock other, lock lock the competitors out of out of real estate. Um. So yeah, so in the overall sort of uh, scheme of what we're going to do about our supermarket industry, that it's probably a, a pretty small piece, right? There's there are bigger bigger issues to to deal with, and uh, and I hope we do. And what kind, would you do? You have any kind of solutions as to what could be done? Maybe? Well, I mean, so so there's been talk of. Of sort of nationalizing grocery somehow, right? So, so I, I think uh, Labor was talking about this in the campaign. Uh, um, is sort of maybe instead of having these uh, whatever our duopoly of of uh, supermarkets that we have now, maybe instead we should um, um, just establish a government-run. You know, I guess it would essentially be a wholesale distribution network that that any competitor, large or small, could could access. Um, and it kind of sounds crazy when you hear s- first say that, like, oh, we're going to be whatever, you know, Soviet Russia. Uh, <laughs> but there's some real logic to it. And and so and there are potentially ways that you could do it e- efficiently. Right. So you could you could, for example, just um, require distribution network to be uh, to be um, public access in some sense. Right. So I know in the U.S. there are some um, what they call uh, common carrier laws where like. If you're going to be in the shipping industry, you have to ship for all comers at at the same price, right? You can't give bulk discounts to the big, uh, the big uh, shippers and so forth. You can't give special treatment. Yeah, yeah. This was a Radio One ninety one FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.